0: I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment.
1: How we find it.
0: Where we put it.
1: And why we're into it.
0: Welcome to Apartment 26.
1: Welcome to Could We Live Mortgage Free.
0: Which is kind of a moot point, to be fair, because we actually don't have a mortgage. <laughs> but
1: hypothetically speaking, could we live mortgage-free?
0: <laughs> I think the attraction of this idea is like, what if, rather than spending our money on rent, we just like pocketed our housing costs every month? Ching. Exactly. The reason we're asking this question at all is because there's a show on Netflix that is literally called How to Live Mortgage Free, and it's British. And basically the premise of the show is just like one of those housing shows where you go tour someone's space, but all of the people on the show have figured out ways to not have to pay a mortgage on the space that they live. Mm -hmm. So this show has actually been on Netflix for a while. And the reason we haven't recorded this podcast until right now will become apparent toward the end, but... So stay uh, tuned. Yeah, don't turn it off right now. But these are just a couple of different ways the show focused on how you could potentially not have a housing cost. And so we're just going to see if any of them are things that could work for us. The first being paying down your debt really quickly. So there was that one couple... Who was living in just like a regular house, but what they had done was paid off their mortgage in eight years by just like really not spending money on anything else. They just Mm -hmm. paid as much as humanly possible toward their mortgage, which keeps you from paying interest and like gets you done faster essentially.
1: Yeah. Well, they also would put any excess income into it, right? Correct. So even if it was just like $8, $5 at the end of like your grocery budget. Any kind of money they had left over, regardless of how large or how small, they would just put towards that.
0: Which I respect, because 30 years is a really long time to be paying off a loan. I just don't know if I could do it. Mm. Because it seemed like they basically just didn't leave their house for eight years.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems hard, too. They had, like, a family, as I recall. They had kids, maybe a dog. They had, like, a lot of, like, dependents, to use some tax lingo met uh, a lot of dependents and like a whole family life going on. I know for me, I have been employing that strategy with my student loans, and it's just been like it's like going I do regular monthly payments of a certain large amount of dollars. but then also, if at the end of my budget weeks I have anything left over, I just pool that and on top of my weekly recurring thing at the end of the month, I pay another, just like voluntary amount towards it based on whatever change i have left over at the end um so i think it depends i think in their case doing it with a family yeah they're living a pretty like militantly restricted lifestyle
0: yeah i feel like you know like we each have a miscellaneous weekly budget that we use for like seeing or yeah <laughs> like going out one night or something like that and it seemed like they were putting their whole miscellaneous budget toward their mortgage yeah which takes a lot of discipline and I'm into for them, like I'm happy for them, but I think it would make me feel emotionally bad to not have the um fluidity, I suppose, to decide like, oh, I'm gonna buy a coffee today because Mm. Coffee is delicious.
1: (laughs) Right. But
0: like instead I have to put that toward my mortgage. So I don't know if that like I don't know if I would get a mortgage assuming that I would be able to pay it off in like eight to ten years, you know?
1: not that one
0: yeah not that one that's not not our lifestyle the next one was living on a boat
1: pretty excited about this one really yeah
0: don't you hate boats
1: okay that's that's clear of a misnomer right now (laughs) i do not hate boats i have no interest in going on cruises
0: okay well that's wrong but that's fine
1: um plus people live on boats they're like docked 90 percent of the time correct so it's really like living on a dock which would be a pretty relaxed life i would imagine weather depending
0: yeah i'm super into this one it feels like really cool you know um we've seen a lot of good boat renovations on this show and <laughs> good boats and other like a number of other um shows i'm gonna link not only like this show in the show notes but some of the other like alternative living shows that we've watched mm, yeah because um, yeah it seems kind of fun and like quirky and i don't think we are particularly concerned about, like, space restriction.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: My beef with it it would maybe be that, like, the ceilings would be low. Mm,
1: That's a good point.
0: And I don't know how that would feel versus just, like, a small space, you know? Mm -hmm. Also, I kind of get the feeling it would be, like, wet a lot. (sighs) Which sounds stupid, but, like, on the inside, you know? Like, maybe it would be, like, really humid.
1: Yeah, you'd be pretty subject to the conditions of the lake or river or coast that you're on um so like i said not only weather dependent like if a hurricane's coming in and you're living right somewhere in like you know the southeast where that's big deal. Yeah, i guess the northeast too yeah or Americans. even like literally right um, here <laughs> yeah yeah for real i guess associated more commonly with the southeast and the gulf but anywhere on the coast you know you're gonna have to figure that out like if you live yeah. on a boat like what are you gonna do but then also i think like, right now, in my mind, I have that picture of, like, mist in the morning on lakes. Yeah. And all of that settling and condensing all over the outside of your boat and how that would feel and walking out and that. Yeah, there would be quite a bit of wet and cold even on nice days, I feel. Um,
0: I would definitely Airbnb in one, though. Like, when I was in Copenhagen, there were... All of these houseboats all over the place, and it was really cool. It you could live like right in the center of the city, city essentially, and you just like get off your boat and walk in, or like get on the subway. It was very normal. It was like living in an apartment. There were tons of great plants Mm. because you can have plants on deck. You can have plants on in your windows. Good point. Like looked great. I
1: had not really thought about that plant game on the boats. I guess that would be the other thing too is how sustainable. Is like not sustainability, but like actually wanting to live there for a long period of time. Because in my mind, like that would be cool, Copenhagen being right in the city. But I'm trying to think of American cities where, I mean, I guess feasibly you could do it in New York or anywhere that has a river running through it, Chicago. um, Well, we saw that
0: House Hunters where those people were in Charleston and they were doing it.
1: Oh, yeah. Charleston would be a good one for it.
0: I don't know if you could do it here, though. I I don't know if there's like legally a place where you can do it here.
1: Yeah. I feel like they can stop you from living on your boat right
0: i yeah i guess i just can't think of like a marina that i know of
1: mm. i don't know we'll have to fact check figure it out uh, but yeah it feels like you'd be kind of isolated like if you're just on a dock and miles away from anything you still probably need a car it wouldn't necessarily be a car free lifestyle unless you could access supplies via boat like <laughs> medieval times just like float down the thames and go to your local market you know uh, like that's not happening you gotta probably have a car to go to the grocery store or like have some way to do that um
0: yeah i think all the ones that we've seen on tv have been european yeah it's a particular european lifestyle i feel mm. and i don't actually know what your housing cost ends up being because you can probably buy a boat outright um that's kind of the idea of it right that rather than putting money down and having a mortgage on a house you buy a boat for 10 20 30 and then you're done right however you do have to put it somewhere mm. which means that you have to rent a slip or you know i don't know how the laws in copenhagen work but there is some fee for you being in that spot and mm-hmm. it's like assigned to you by the city um so i don't know how much that ends up reducing your cost overall
1: yeah cool not sure maybe question mark i I, like in my mind it feels like it'd be cool to do feasibly it might be a bit of a tedious lifestyle there might be a lot to it you know like it might not be as chill as sitting on your boat with your plants in the sun rocking to the waves
0: i feel like it would be a goal to like airbnb in one one time yeah and then make a decision agreed The next one is living in a tiny house, which um, I'm obsessed with kind of, but like in a way that I don't know anything about it. Just I've watched so many shows about it. There are going to be so many links in the (laughs) show notes about tiny houses because there's something just like oddly attractive about it to me. Mm. And I think about it sometimes pretty seriously because if you think about our apartment. Tiny Mm -hmm. houses, usually, like, the biggest ones are about 350 to 400 square feet. Mm -hmm. And at 550 square feet, our apartment isn't that much bigger than that. True. And if you think about it, we have, like, a good amount of square footage in hallways that are basically useless. Mm. And a tiny house wouldn't have any of that. All of it would be, like, livable space. So, basically, it would be, like, if we could live in our hallways and then we'd just be losing the bedroom. So, it's, like... Not the most unfeasible. I feel like what most people say about tiny houses is like, I have too much stuff. I couldn't live in that little space. And I don't think that's true for us. There's also something particularly attractive to me about it being just like a massive DIY project. Hmm. I don't think I would pay someone to build one for me. That seems like a waste, but it seems pretty achievable to like, Put the shit together yourself, because it's literally only 350 square feet.
1: If some of those people on TV can do it, by God.
0: Yeah, exactly. It seems like you could watch some YouTube videos, and it's very achievable. Ha.
1: Yeah, I think I'm intrigued by tiny houses as well. Period. End of thought,
0: really. We've seen some really good ones on TV. We've definitely <laughs> seen TV. some, like, bad ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've seen, we've seen some really clever things and some good use of space that I was like, oh, that's like really livable Mm -hmm. because I think we both agree. We don't like the idea of a sleeping loft. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of a hurdle as well for people is that most of them use sleeping lofts because that's kind of a very efficient use of space. Yeah. But we've seen some non-sleeping loft options that I thought were pretty cool.
1: Yeah. They've been some good ones. People are getting more creative. I feel like as the fad dies and it becomes more of just an industry, things are getting a little more creative. Because the fad was just, like, the fad was prefab. But, like, kind of, right? If everyone was making the same shit, had a loft and, like, a kitchen and a composting toilet, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, Maybe some places had a little living space or, like, a seated window that was kind of your living space, or living room, rather. Um, But now that it's a bit more of an actual industry than just like, I'm going to live in a tiny house. It feels like people are starting to get more creative with it and really think about it from a design standpoint, if that makes sense. Yeah, like a,
0: like an industrial design standpoint.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I would like to walk into one. I feel like we've seen a lot. We read a little bit. You got like a tiny house book in the library once, didn't you? Or did I?
0: Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, when I was, I went on a kick where I thought I was going to do uh, a solar power project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that led me down some rabbit holes. It was cool. Learned a lot. Not doing anything with solar power right now. But, but perhaps in the future. Any event, uh, I'd like to actually walk into one and, like, be in the space. I feel as if I can pretty well imagine it. And I think you're right. Our apartment isn't too, too different from what it would probably feel like. But I would like to actually one and walk around in one and experience that.
0: Yeah we've never seen one IRL.
1: Yeah to do that before committing. I Another
0: Airbnb experience for sure. Mm. The other thing is I don't know that we could do that in the city because there's really nowhere to park it um yeah. And the other thing about them is that you have to have a place to put them. A lot of the people we see on TV know people with land and park on that land. Mm -hmm. And so that's free for them. But if you don't know someone with land or you don't want to live in the place that the person you know with land (laughs) lives, um, you have to rent a space for it. And then, again, your housing cost isn't zero because you're renting a plot.
1: You got to get to it. Shipping.
0: Right. I wouldn't want to tow one. And I know you personally, yes, I personally would not want to tow it. I also probably would have severe anxiety about someone else towing it because if you just like spend 30 grand and like build this thing with your own hands, Mm
1: -hmm. that's a good point. Yeah. I feel like the most (laughs) successful ones are the ones where they build on site. Yeah, that's true.
0: That would be way less anxiety inducing
1: for me. But it also just kind of feels like it makes most sense because anywhere you build the thing, you got to bring supplies unless you're building in like a home depot parking lot right right so if you gotta do that you might as well bring the supplies on site and do the damn thing
0: i also kind of like the idea like my favorite ones are the ones where they salvage a lot of their materials Mm. because you're self-building and because like there are no standard size things for tiny homes um you have the opportunity to like use a lot of reclaimed materials which is cool i think that there's a big eco aspect to these as well i've never encountered a composting toilet i would be more down for one i think than like (laughs) a lot of people on tv have been
1: yeah i mean they're pretty fine i think
0: i guess my only concern have you used one before
1: in like camps and parks a lot of state parks Mm. use them in their outhouses. uh
0: My only concern about a composting toilet would be like when you take the stuff out to compost it, does it still look like human waste or does it look like compost? Yes. Okay.
1: I assume. I've never had
0: That line would be like iffy for me.
1: I've never had to take out one, but I imagine they ask that you throw stuff on. You throw like cedar.
0: Right. With like sawdust or newspapers something.
1: So it starts to break down, but it's probably still very gnarly, I would imagine
0: because i'm not grossed out by compost but i am grossed out by handling human waste which i feel like is fair
1: yeah definitely fair that's like way grosser but also actually way more hazardous than just like handling food waste there's a lot attached to that um would airbnb in one though for sure yeah it would be a learning curve a bit that piece of it but it seems like once again people on tv can fucking do it Right. It seems like something we could figure out.
0: And yeah. I feel very confident that we could live in one. I don't feel like we would begin fighting because mm-hmm. we were in a tiny house, you know?
1: Yeah. That, yeah, absolutely not. I feel like if that were going to happen, it would happen in a 500-foot... Yeah. 500-square-foot So, yeah. I think... check uh, Checkmark by that. Don't know how we would do it in the city. That would be... Right. if we want it, like... I really don't know. Maybe somewhere up in the Bronx. are, <laughs> like Deep Queens.
0: I have a feeling that there are like a lot of laws about that in New York City, that You can't just like park your tiny house in like a community garden or something, you know? There's...
1: Could you imagine if you could? I guess it'd be, I don't know, be nuts from like the whole L train line. Just be full of like tiny houses in front of bodegas. <laughs> yeah, that's it'd be true. a mess. <laughs> Be like, instead of bike lanes, there would just be lanes and tiny houses and the cars you're between. It'd be, like, it'd be like, road, tiny house, sidewalk, shops. That would be like what Brooklyn would look like.
0: I would say that feels kind of dystopic to me, but honestly, it feels kind of quaint. If you were just like walking down the streets of Brooklyn, they're lined with tiny houses.
1: I don't know. That'd be like a bit much.
0: Maybe though, you know how they have those tiny home communities? Maybe a developer will like buy a piece of property and start renting like, plots to people with tiny homes i could see a lot of money in that here yeah like imagine buying a vacant lot like that one that's next to the stack and then just like putting utility hookups on it and telling people they could come like rent it like an rv park
1: maybe uh we should edit this part out and do it before someone steals (laughs) the idea
0: (laughs) i'm trying to sell dylan on opening a tiny house hotel with me so maybe this is our moment (laughs) anyway uh the other one was building on someone else's property this was one specific episode where the guy decided um his dad owned a house on a piece of property and it wasn't a huge piece of property it was like an acre or something and he just built a house behind his dad's house because he was caring for his dad in his old age Mm -hmm. so he like wanted separate space but also wanted to be on hand and that was interesting because it, it wasn't a tiny house it was on a foundation and it was Probably the size of our apartment or a little bit bigger. Um, yeah, it was like
1: a bungalow. It was like a pretty
0: Yeah, but it was a real ass house. house.
1: Yeah, well, a bungalow is like a real ass house. Yeah. Yeah, it's like thousand square foot or so maybe. I, I think his thing was a little bigger than ours, I would say, as I recall from the episode.
0: He had like skills too. He definitely built a nice house and it was nice, but he used a lot of reclaimed materials too and it was not the amount of money that he needed to mortgage it i think he spent like 30 or 50 thousand dollars on it yeah and so he had no housing cost um the land was someone else's and had been paid for so there was no rental cost so he was probably one of the only people who was living like zero dollars for his housing mm.
1: um but in ex- i mean zero dollars but there was a pretty strong like family need attached to it
0: right definitely was doing labor for the situation yeah um and also requires in anyone else's situation that they know someone who has property who is willing to let them build on it and live there you know
1: but i'm bringing into this idea not necessarily for us but as like a more sustainable future property idea because it feels like And you read all those, like, doom and gloom articles about millennials moving in with their parents, blah, 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 blah. But that said, I mean, it is happening. But also, like, grandparents moving in with parents are sort of, like, entering an era, not to, like, wax poetic or sociologically, but we're entering an era where, like, for really largely financial reasons, families are living together more and more frequently. And as that happens, like, people who have property, I don't know, I, like... If children want to like build their own thing onto that or like adapt the house in some way that is more suitable to their being there, I feel like it's kind of a cool thing. My idea isn't totally fleshed out. I understand but- what
0: you're saying, though. Like The idea of multi-generational homes is an old one and is something that used to be much more prominent in terms of grandparents parents and children all living together in the same space because it used you know like you used to need that sort of thing um grandparents could help with the kids it made them more accessible to the parents like Mm -hmm. all of that and we've moved away from that as a society i think especially as americans as the ideal of home ownership has grown and so it kind of gives you that nice balance of having your own home having separate space um but equally sharing costs and sharing responsibility with yeah. other generations
1: yeah within the family it's cool i think i don't know it feels like it could be an interesting model there's obviously some stipulations and barriers to this like idyllic version of and forth, right <laughs> like, like first of all it involves property ownership which isn't accessible to a lot of the american population because we fucked it up so there's that that's really the biggest thing is like property ownership
0: well there was also that interesting um i think it was world's most extraordinary homes i don't know if you watched this episode with me but there were three sisters who had all put in on one plot of land and they built three homes on it
1: Ah, you know this yeah yeah.
0: and that's kind of a spin on this as well that they pooled their money Hmm. so rather than someone needing to take out one mortgage on a plot of land you know all together they could buy it outright and have three separate homes on it. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know how zoning here works in the US. Um, I'm not gonna pretend to know about zoning, but I wonder if there's something different about having multiple dwellings on a property or if you can have as many dwellings as you want on a property as long as it's residentially zoned.
1: Hmm. I have no idea either. Yeah. Be interesting. So yeah, into it. Not necessarily for us, but into it as an idea. It's also hard. It's not really necessarily an idea for an urban area either.
0: No, certainly not. I would say the one that we saw on World's Most Extraordinary Homes, and even the one we saw on How to Live Mortgage Free, I think they were both quite rural.
1: Yeah, or like the edge of the suburbs, if not totally rural.
0: Yeah. Like, I could see your parents' land being able to do something like that as long as you got the proper permits. Mm -hmm. Um, And they live in a place like they're suburban
1: yeah but but it's like the edge of well now right i don't think my parents
0: could do something like that i think like their hoas would be like um excuse me
1: Mm. that's you too think about hoas and how that would affect this kind of a project a lot to it kind of hoas is like almost its own conversation about this it's interesting to think about a bit
0: yeah it's kind of interesting how the like um Bureaucracy of housing affects trying to make these decisions as well. You know, like I bet that even my parents' HOAs would probably try to stop them from having a tiny house on their property. Like, if we wanted to move to suburban Arizona and live in a tiny house in my parents' backyard, I don't know that we would be able to do that.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting because when you think of, or I guess I said interesting a lot, but it's kind of layered, if you will. When you think of a state, like, Arizona or, you know, North Carolina. To be, I'm not going to throw shade. Um, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you can definitely just build a tiny house anywhere you want in Arizona. Arizona doesn't care. But, well, the, like, the state of Arizona, even the, like, municipality of whatever town might not care. Like, the, that specific HOA and the bureaucracy, again, for lack of a better word around that, might, yeah, try to prevent right. it. Hmm. Curious.
0: But the reason we saved this episode until this moment was because we saw a ton of Airstreams and other trailer conversions <laughs> of, like, it basically tiny homes, but these were significantly tiny. An Airstream is 150 square feet, I believe they were saying. Yeah. And they're very, very cheap because once they're in disrepair, these things are worth, like, 50 bucks on Craigslist. And there's a lot of... Pinterest blogging sort of content about like how to make them cute and functional again and so there were a number of people doing this
1: mm-hmm.
0: we waited because you just stayed in one <laughs> I,
1: did. I did, and so we wanted
0: you it. to have like the first hand experience because we don't have first hand experience with any of these other things we're talking about except watching the actual TV show <laughs> um, so yeah tell us what it's like to be in an Airstream
1: yeah well it's pretty fine really so to give full disclosure, I had to leave my Airstream because it got too cold, um, which was a freakish thing. But So I, it was in Austin for South by Southwest, staying in an Airstream because it felt, not only did we want to test it, but it felt like a cool, fun, weird, awesome thing to do to stay in an Airstream.
0: It was also incredibly cheap as an Airbnb. Yeah,
1: it was wicked cheap at a time when everything down there is expensive um, because everything's marked up for South by. Um Right, but they were getting hit by this cold front. And it was a cold front that brought like wacky weather all through the south. There were those really devastating tornadoes in Alabama. Georgia, South Carolina got them. Um, and Texas was cold. It was like 28 at night. I, it was just like I brought the New York weather with me. Uh, and this Airstream was not necessarily equipped for it. and
0: It was not the best Airstream conversion we've ever seen on the internet.
1: Correct. Yeah, I would say... It was hard to tell if it was the fault of the conversion or the fault of the airstream i don't know how great airstream mm. heaters were to begin with because so for the first night i had a space heater and that was like fine it heated i mean it's only 150 square feet so it heated things like pretty well and i had that uh, i had it in the bedroom while i slept so i got the bedroom warm with it um, and then I would put it out in the living room during the day. I really wasn't in it very often because I was at the festival most of the time.
0: Did they set it up with separate rooms so you could like close the door?
1: Um, no. You could close the bathroom, but everything else is just straight through. Um, good question. Good question.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, I feel like that in the ones that we've seen, it's kind of just been like one space with a separate bedroom
1: yeah and i would say i would say that'd be the way to do it if they tried to put many dividers i feel like it would have felt way smaller yeah even just like a curtain would have felt like it took up more space than needed and uh, you kind
0: of don't really need privacy in 150 square feet because you can't have enough people in it to need privacy from
1: yeah exactly uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny way of thinking about it but very true any event. Second night, the thing broke. The space heater. It started, what? It started. Yeah. Did you know what I tell you that? Yeah, oh yeah. no. Oh yeah. It started. Like, I thought
0: you were just like this. Even the space heater is like not cutting it. We can't do this.
1: Oh no, that's why I left. I would have stayed. But yeah, the, oh. the space heater started like smoking.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I had to turn it off, and I was like, "Oh, this is fucked." Um, I hate space heaters. They're so scary. I mean, they're fine when they're good ones. Um, so then I turned on the overhead heat. And the reason I didn't have the overhead heat and the space heater at the same time is I was told it might blow the electricity. Um, so the more I talk about this and thinking about that factoid at the beginning, it seems like it might be the fault of the conversion. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the overhead heat was like, not particularly great. And Not only was the heat, it came out kind of hot. But the host had, to their credit, recreated it. Recreated as much of the Airstream as possible, kind of to, uh, I don't know what's the term, like to, not too original, but like they bought a bunch of vintage stuff. Oh, uh, like, like period pit, too, accurate, yeah, like stuff. So, so, so the heat vent felt like pretty accurate. It was this like plastic square thing that you could imagine was just like fabricated in the like late '70s, early '80s. Uh, but the way the ventilation worked, it on, on this thing it was just a slot that you open and close but it was like a very small uh slot mm. like maybe I'm trying to think of something like if you put your thumb and forefingers together
0: oh like an inch by three inches or so
1: wow that's a great yeah
0: maybe, yeah that's maybe not... a
1: little bigger than that but yeah and so it was pumping it out it was doing its best but it really like
0: not a lot of pumping
1: yeah so i would say in that conversion maybe not sticking with um period there which i think kind of makes sense my understanding of airstreams is that they're mainly like summer tour homes people weren't like going to yosemite in winter with them right that wasn't the american dream they were pumping they were pumping like going to the beach and doing the thing like going surfing that's kind of like the airstream vibe in particular people who wanted camp in that era i think the vision was like that Norman rockwell painting of loading up the station wagon with all your camping gear and going and doing the thing um so maybe they weren't great with heat to begin with my
0: Uh, feeling from seeing them on tv too was that it might be a little small for the two of us to live in
1: yeah i would say if i don't know yeah to live in living in it would be hard especially like the thing that i think would be difficult would be like navigating multitasking so the kitchen is right in line with everything else it's in in like this kind of railroad layout uh it goes like from back to front it goes bedroom bathroom which is often a little room to the side kitchen sitting area slash like living space and i think if you needed to go back and forth there isn't like a ton of room to tango around the kitchen area it would be like You'd have to pretty frustratingly like press yourself flat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even like, I mean, I'm a pretty like broad dude, but even uh, someone like smaller framed than I, I think would have to do the same thing. So that would be frustrating if like, I don't know, if you were trying to work from home and I was cooking and navigating all that, I think would be hard. Solo is pretty fine.
0: And we can share pictures of this one because you've actually been to one.
1: I have. But yeah, rewinding a bit. The heat was the main problem, but everything else about it was really pretty fine. I think two people, it would be hard, but the living space was like pretty nice. It was just, uh, probably a little smaller than like the couch we have. So a little smaller than like a love seat, but definitely enough room for two people to sit. And it was right in front of a couple big windows. So you could like chill in that space. The kitchen was a full kitchen. Like I had a double sink, uh, Uh, like half stove a stovetop refrigerator and then there was room up top I forget if I took pictures of them because the lighting was hard Uh, lighting was also hard that was the thing and part of that was I think this electricity issue because there are only really lamps and there are a few overhead lights but um, the overhead lights that were in were like pretty dim so if you wanted a good light you really needed it from the lamps Uh, once again I don't know if that was like a conversion thing or if that's sort of the way lighting is, my my folks have an RV that we've traveled in as a family. And even thinking about that, some of the overhead lighting in it isn't great. Some of it in like, like this RV has uh, like a separate bedroom and that has this like kind of fun, faux recess lighting. And that lighting is good, but thinking about, uh, it's like bubble lighting, what it mm-hmm. was. So thinking about that, it's pretty bad.
0: I wonder if during the conversion, though, you could have like swapped in LEDs or something, which would use less electricity and be brighter.
1: Yeah, probably. Um,
0: I would renovate an Airstream. I think that would be cool, but I would do it to sell it, not to live in.
1: Yeah, uh, but the kitchen was full. The bathroom was, I mean, full. You had a toilet, sink, shower. So that was good. That was fine. And the bedroom was a full-size bed. But you couldn't really move. You had to, like, jump onto the bed, and there was a little room to the side to, like, put stuff so it was pretty cramped i would say but on the whole i would stay in one again in nicer weather don't think i would live with one live with the live with one don't think i would live i can't live with you airstream don't think i would live in one and i don't i would say i definitely wouldn't live with someone in one
0: that's fair this
1: is my final assessment
0: and you have the same situation if you need to find somewhere to park it. So buying an Airstream is really cheap. Renovating an Airstream is probably fairly cheap because there's just not a lot of stuff to change out. Yeah. And, but you have to rent a spot to park it. Correct. So that's an added cost. Yeah. But yeah, this is something we think about pretty frequently because we're like weirdly obsessed with alternative living situations. <laughs> wow. Even though we'll probably just continue living in this apartment forever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the end. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26.
0: For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below and follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast.
1: See you next time.